doesn't matter what you're going through physically, spiritually, financially, emotionally, mentally, whatever it be, we will deal with things in life because we're in a fallen world, but it never changes our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It will stay intact for the test, with the test of times, no matter what we're going through. What does God's Word say? It says, when heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. And we can be reassured today, folks, that God is with us. He is with us, and He knows exactly what's going on. Let me read uh, Galatians 2 and 20. Let's all read together as we read every Sunday morning, Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. You may be seated across the building today. I want to give a shout out to our church here today. We had a pastor's leaders conference, state conference, here at your local church. And we had over 145 people that were here in our conference and we had breakout sessions on Friday and Saturday and so it was a wonderful time we served uh, Victory Fellowship served barbecue Saturday and fed that many and I want to give a shout out uh, to Amy Nettles to Tammy to Mark and Pam Rossi Sloan Rhonda Sloan Ron Du Rebecca Jeffers uh, I mean, the list just goes, uh, uh, Elijah Hall, uh, we had so many people uh, in the process of making this happen. And so we raised, we cleared $1,000 to God be the glory. Give God praise in the house today. And so uh, we were able to do that. I think the children's ministry, I think they cleared almost $300. Give God praise in the house today. And so, uh, so with that, I just want to thank each and every one that took time out to make it happen. Folks, we could not have done this state conference without you. We needed you and all those that are behind the scene. It was such a successful uh, event and uh, our state overseer that's over our, our conference, man, he was letting me know how great uh, Victory Fellowship was. He gives his love to y'all and says thank you, thank you, thank you of making this happen and so I felt like it was a good representation for our church we have never held a state conference and this they had service Friday night and this church was packed to the max we had chairs that had to go down the aisles and in the back I mean we had a packed house and I wish you could have been here but I know it was for pastors and the leaders but man you talk about having church we had a uh, we had a praise team up here uh, from uh, up in the upper part of the state that came and, and just really ministered to us. And uh, man, I tell you, it was just, it was one more. We had church. We had church. And so it was really good. Listen, I've got great news for you today before I begin my sermon today because I've got to tell you this. 
we have been working on this building beside our church uh, since 2020, right when COVID hit, and it slowed us down. So from 2020 to right here at 2024, we have completely renovated uh, the building beside our church where that now we can have fellowship and it is a multi-purpose building. It is for the children, it's for the youth, it's for the adults. And listen, we now call that the Victory Connect Center. And so it is officially open, and today I want to let you know we had a lot of leftover Moe's uh, Mexican food uh, from, the, from this weekend. So they gave it to us because they want to put it to good use for those that would like to eat. So after church... If you don't have plans, I want you to go to the Victory Connect Center and, uh, and I want you to eat with us because if you like, some of you may not like Moe's, we've got a little bit of barbecue left over, uh, but we've got a lot of Moe's left over. So if you would like to eat with us, they're preparing it today while I'll be bringing the sermon and chairs and tables will be out. If you're not going to eat, just come in and visit with us because we have a wonderful, wonderful facility. Uh, we have a commercial ice machine. We never have to. Uh, uh, a lady here at the church lets us borrow her ice from her ice machine. But we no longer have to borrow her ice anymore. We have our own ice machine, and which was donated here at the church. We have two commercial curried coffee machines that are piped in with, with hot water. You never have to fill it up with water. And you just go help yourself. It's touch screen. I mean, guys, I mean, this place is really nice. You'll be proud of it. You will be excited about this through this renovations. And so we thank you for your prayers, your support, your giving in this project because you made it happen so that we all can enjoy the benefits. So I want to encourage you today. Step, step aside after service. Come eat with us. And we're going to have plenty. I think they said we had enough food to feed 40 to 60 people. So we've got a lot of food uh, left over today. So we definitely want you, don't, don't leave, stop by and see us here at Victory uh, Connect Center. And you will, I'm, I'm always saying the tag house, but we've had to change the name because it's got to be that multi-purpose building now for all of us. So it's the Victory Connect Center. And now we have a new sign on the building as well. To God be the glory for the things that he is doing here at Victory Fellowship. And my vision is to see that this church will continue to go forward, that we will continue to grow and move. We want to reach out to our children's department. We want to reach out to our youth department. We want to reach out to this community. We want this community to know that we are here, we are vibrant, we exist, and we want to reach the lost at any cost and bring people in to God's house. Can you give God praise in the house today? Thank the Lord. Let me now go into my sermon today. We are doing a series called The Power of Christ-Controlled Thinking. The power of Christ-controlled thinking. And I'm now into part four. 
And if you've missed any of my uh, series sermons, you can always go to www.vfclexington.org. And while you're there, if you don't like us, or you haven't liked us, or you haven't followed us, please do so. Our numbers are moving up uh, higher and higher. I think we got 579 people that follow us, 527 likes us. I mean, we're coming up a little bit. So if you haven't done that, go to our website and, uh, and like us and follow us because we would love for you to be connected here uh, with Victory Fellowship. Part four, the power of Christ-controlled thinking. Let's go to the New Testament, to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning with the eighth verse. Philippians 4 and 8. And I'm going to give you a second there. It's on the screen. The Bible's in the pew. But if you've got your tablet, your, your own Bible, Android, uh, uh, Apple uh, app, I mean, whatever you may have today, to get into the Word. Let's get into the Word today. The Bible says, as the Apostle Paul writes, he writes in Philippians 4 and 8, he says, Finally, brethren, and he's talking to the church at Philippi. There's a church there. And he's saying, Finally, brethren, he says, Whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, and whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there is any praiseworthy, meditate on these things." I want you to know today that the Word is letting us know, as the Apostle Paul writes, he says, we as Christians today are to think on the good things, not on the bad things, not on the things that you've been through, not on the things of the past, because God says all things have passed away, now all things have become new. And I like to add that word brand new. Because if you like me, I like brand new things. You like, I know you like brand new things. God is wanting to do a brand new thing in your life in this new year. And so we are to think about the good things. You may say, well, Pastor, how can you think about the good things with everything going on in the world today? How can you make of the good things of, of, of nothing but doom and gloom? And, and how can you, how we do this? is because we look forward in Christ because Christ brings new things in us and He brings things out in us that the world cannot satisfy our hearts or our lives. Even if they try, it'll never happen. But in Jesus, all things is perfect and all things in Him brings new things so therefore we can think on good things Things because we know Jesus has things in store for you and I day in and day out. And we said, we say to ourselves, we will trust the Lord through it all, no matter what we're going through, because we know it's going to be good. When you connect it with Jesus, it's never bad. 
You don't have to go through anything bad when you're connected with Jesus. Everything that we go through is going to be good. Even though we deal with issues, that may be the testing of our faith, that may be something, a trial that we may be going through, but we're not alone. You're not on an island. You're not alienated from everybody else. Jesus is with you. Even when you feel like you're alone on that island, He's on that island with you. When you feel like that it's despair and agony, Jesus is with you every step of the way. That's why God's Word says, let us meditate. Let us think on good things, knowing that God has great and mighty things for you and I day in and day out. When Christ controls our thoughts, all of life is, is, is now changed. Let me say it again. When Christ controls our thoughts, all of life begins to change. Think, there's a different perspective. When we're in Christ Jesus, when Christ is in us, and when we're living out as a disciple, as a servant, as we're living out, we strive every day. We've got to practice it doesn't just happen naturally. We have to practice. We have to rehearse. We have to go over. You just don't start praying just to be praying. You've got to get your mind geared up to start to pray. You just don't just read your Bible just to read your Bible. You've got to get yourself ready and motivated to open up. You've got to begin to move forward and persevere. But the perseverance is not just you yourself, but the perseverance is Jesus backing you up because He's the strength that's going to strengthen you from day by day. So therefore, when we have Christ-controlled thinking, then things begin to change. We are not what we think we are, what we think we are. Think about this. We are not what we think we are, what we think we are. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible clearly lets us know that we must guard our hearts. Our hearts can deceive us. We, 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 get these, uh, we get these feelings in our heart, whether we're wanting to love somebody or whether we're in a relationship or, or whatever we're, we're trying uh, to, uh, to achieve. And maybe we're in the, in the dating process, you know. Uh, maybe a couple is getting together and their heart is just racing because they're just wanting to, uh, to make this relationship work and they're wanting to, to, to just get this thing right. And a lot of times we will override our minds and, and we'll look to our hearts, but the Bible says be careful because that that you feel may not be what is really going on 
that you need in your life. And so therefore, guard your heart to know that the enemy, Satan, is trying to do everything he can to to take us in the wrong direction when we need to keep our mind on Christ, even in a relationship, letting God be number one so that your heart would be guarded and that you would be protected and that you just don't go with every, every whim of everything that you feel. See, there's people that go on feelings. There's people that, I believe this is right. Oh, I, I think this is right. Uh, uh, I, 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 I know this is right. Really? Do you really know it's right? Do you, do you really think this is right? You see, these are the questions that we ask ourselves. But we need to think on Christ and let Christ help us make decisions in life. Listen, there are three characteristics of Christ-controlled thinking. There are three characteristics of Christ-controlled thinking. We think about things that are pure. This is what the Apostle Paul writes here in Philippians. We think about things that are pure. We, second, we think about things that are lovely. And we think about things of good report. We want to think on what Christ is thinking. We want to, I'm not saying you're Christ. I didn't say that you're going to be Christ. No, we are to be Christ-like. So therefore, we must put on the thinking of Christ. In other words, we must put on the character of Christ, the characteristics of Christ. Because He is the one that's going to fashion us and mold us and to make us, not in our own image, but to make us into His image. So therefore, we must have the thinking of Christ because Christ, when He comes into our hearts and life, He begins to transform us. He begins to renew our minds. He renews our hearts so that we not have, as Dr. Phil says, stinking thinking. Because he wants our thinking to be correct. He wants our thinking to be right. So to think right, you've got to think on things that are of good report. You've got to think on things that are true. You've got to think on things that are noble. You see, we've got to get our minds where we're thinking on the good things and not the bad things. You know, it's like I find that people today is quicker to think about the bad than the good. Oh Lord, you know, you know, this is going. Oh God, this is going. Oh, oh, I can't believe it. I mean, we we think it's just. I believe it's just our nature. We think about the bad. Oh, this is bad. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what. And we'll think about the bad quicker than we'll think about what is good. But I want you to know we must train our minds to think on good things. Why? Because Jesus is good and He wants the best for you and He wants you to live a victorious life. 
And you can have victory in this world. And you can have the power and you can have the strength in Christ Jesus to be able to war against the enemy that wars against your soul day in and day out. We have to change our thinking. And we've got to think as Christ as He thinks. My first point today is this. The power of purity changes us. The power of purity changes us. Whatsoever things are pure. I've always said, whatever goes in your mind comes out of your mind. You have a conscious and you have a subconscious. Your conscious is through the day, your subconscious is through the night. If I sit, for example, in front of a television, and all I hear is the F word, or they call it the F bomb uh, for the 21st century, and I sit there and I listen to this day in and day out, over and over and over again, even though I may not quote the F bomb, I may not say the F bomb, but the F bomb has been in my mind because I've allowed myself to sit there through this movie, then that's in my mind. And if I'm not careful, what's in my mind will come out of my lips. And I'm just giving you an example. We must guard our hearts. We must understand the enemy's devices and knowing, saying, well, that's, that's not for me. That's not for my children. That's not for, for us to listen to. That's not for me to look at. Why? Because you're living the crucified life. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about me. But it's about what Christ is in my life now. I am, I am dead to, 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 to this world, and now I'm alive in Christ. So therefore, daily I'm crucifying the flesh. I'm crucifying the old Adamic nature so that Christ can come alive in my heart and in my life. And therefore, I've got to think on good report. I've got to think on what is true, what is noble, what is pure. But if there's something out there that's causing me to look at something, to steer me away, because that's what the enemy does. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy you. He will do everything he can to get you you off your game in Christ Jesus and bring you down a road of destruction. And folks, I want you to know He is very crafty. And the Bible says that we must understand His devices. The enemy has, Satan has devices. And I want to tell you something here. Not only does He work with us in our conscious, He will work with you in your subconscious. I've had the enemy when I've been asleep as your pastor and the enemy has visited me in my subconscious. Yes. Does he pastor? Yes. And I would be in a dream and the enemy would come to me and I would see it in my dream and when I would wake up the next morning, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be bothered with anything. But it was those times where I'm resting. It's time where the body needs rest. It's time where you need sleep because we're human. We're, we're mortal. We're not in mortality yet. But yet the devil doesn't go to sleep. 
His demons doesn't go to sleep. The demonic forces of the air, He is the prince of this air. He does not go to sleep. He is wide awake seven days a week, 24 hours, 365 days of a year. He is out to try to get you off of not serving Jesus or letting you have the victory in Christ Jesus. That's why you've got to filter your brain in whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy, whatever it is. We must think on these things and not let the enemy use it against us with his devices listen think on these things that do not contaminate the mind we're continually surrounded by impure things impure thoughts rob us of the power of the Holy Spirit the source of impurity uh, uh, surrounds us Yet there's printed materials focused on immorality or impure. Television production, as I gave you an example, is the violation of Christian standards or impure. Movies with immoral plots and dense with language are impure. Would Jesus approve what we watch and hear if we were to continue to do what we're doing? Would Jesus approve that? I always think back about the, the, the wristband that we had, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And we had those wearing those a lot of time for a reminder. Would Jesus do that? Would Jesus say that? Would Jesus go there? Would Jesus hear this? You see, folks, I want you to know how serious it is in our relationship with Christ. You see, the enemy says, Ah, oh, man, don't worry about it. God's good. God loves you. You just do what you want to do. Be what you want to be. Say what you want to say. Go where you want to go. Yeah, that's what the enemy tells us. But clearly, it's nothing but destruction. Because he doesn't want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to keep your family in church. He doesn't want you to teach your children. He doesn't want you to pray over your, your children. He doesn't want you to pray. And he's doing everything he can. And folks, today we have so many devices. I, I, was, I, was, I was shocked when I heard this this week. I heard on the radio they were interviewing Dr. Phil on the radio, and I was listening, and they were asking him about society today. What, what do you think? And they were asking him specifically about our phones, how that our phones are like computers. We, don't know, we no longer have to go to the library. I don't have to go to, to the library. I can just go right on my phone, and I can find all the information I want. Your phone is the computer to everything that you've been going to for years. Now it's in your hands. Now it's in your house. And Dr. Phil said this, and I could not believe it. But we look at our phone 352 times a day. Now, I want you to think about this because it was mind-boggling to me when I heard him say it. This has been a study that 
352 times you look at your phone, if it's to look at the weather, if it's to look at the phone to see the time, if it's to look at the phone for Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be, you look at your phone 352 times a day. And when I heard that, I was just... I was taken back, and I'm thinking, do I really look at my phone 352 times a day? You know, I, I'm, I'm really thinking, am I? And if you really, really think about it, from when you wake up until you go to bed, if you be honest with yourself, you and I look at our phone 352 times a day. Now, his point was this. He says, technology is great. It is good that we have it in our hands. But he says, but we are a society where we're keeping our face glued to the phone and we're not interacting with one another. We're not communicating with one another because after we say hey and bye and how are you, we're right back into that phone. In other words, that phone becomes a distraction to your life as you live your life as a family and as children and as a society, every time you see somebody in the phone, you see them walking down the street, they're not even paying attention to the cars down the street. They're just looking at the phone. And they're just, they're just, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Good. Good to see you. I'll talk to you later. And you're constantly looking at your phone and, and you never look up. I've seen people almost get hit by a car because they're looking at a phone and they just go, and, and they're still not looking at what's going on. And so Dr. Phil says, you know, technology is great, but we've allowed the phone to control our lives because it becomes, that becomes, and I want to go into, he didn't say this, but I'm going to add this. If we're not careful, that phone becomes our God. And we will worship the phone which is the God more than the Jehovah God. And we have now done blotted the God that wants to hear from us and have a relationship with us. Now we're letting the phone become between us and Him because we're constantly looking at the phone. Listen, folks, we have to be careful. 1 Peter 2 and 21 says this, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us, I want you to look at this, leaving us an example. He left us an example. Not an example to follow after the phone. Not an example to follow after society. Not an example to follow your neighbor and your friends. But to follow Him. He left the example that you should follow. Look at this. Follow His steps. You're not following nobody else's steps. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul says, what am I going to do? Am I going to be a man pleaser? Or am I going to be a God pleaser? We in Christ Jesus is going to be a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. Because we're running a different race. We're all running a race, but we're running a different race. We're running a race for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our impure thoughts grieving your Lord and stifling your potential. 
Listen, second, the power of the, long, of, the, of the loving, the lovely changes us. The power of the lovely changes us. Whosoever things are lovely. What does Paul mean by things that are lovely? He means things that produce rest, that produce peace. Thoughts that produce, uh, produce strife should be avoided. What can you find in others that are that is lovely? Are you looking for fault? Are you looking for faith? Are you seeking hypocrisy? Are you seeking holiness? God is pleased when we focus on things that unify the body of Christ. It is always easier to be part of the faction uh, than to get into the action. It is always easier to be part of the faction uh, than to get into the action. Looking for the lovely restores the power to a church and glorifies God. Looking for the lovely restores the power to a church and glorifies God. Third, the power of believing things of good report changes us. The power of believing things of good report changes us. Whatsoever things are of good report. Every church has its reporters. Let me say it again. Every church has its reporters. There'll be those that may say good things. There may be those that will say bad things. But every church has its reporters. Listen, some are always reporting on things that are wrong. I'll be the first to admit that they're all, it always seems like it trickles back to the pastor. And it seems like that I'm the last one to know what a problem is that's going on in the church. And everybody else has found out, but pastor is the last one to find out instead of the pastor being the first one to find out. Listen, wise ones will report on the blessings they see around them. Listen, we're in the body. This is the body of Christ. We're in the bond of love. Listen, when one weeps, we all are to weep. When, all is to be when one is to be praised, we're all to praise them. You see, we're in this together. The foot can't say that I have no need of the hand, the hand can't say that it has no need of the foot. We're all in this thing together. We need our hands. We need our feet. We need to be together. We need to encourage. Listen, if you can't get encouragement, and I want to say this today, if you can't get encouragement in your church, where in the world are you going to get any other encouragement at? And I want you to know today, it is, not, it is no room for church to be disgruntled with one another. We must unify ourselves, work as a team, pray as a team, and move as a team because it takes everyone. We can't afford to lose anybody. We must have everybody together on the same course, the same team. We can't be different people doing different things, but we are to go together, work together, move together, encourage one another. You know, I've had people that has come to this church and has been away from this church 
and has come back and said, listen, you know, we just feel the love at this church. And I, I, folks, I want you to know that's a big thing because there are some people that go in and out of churches don't feel the love. They just become an IBM number. They hurdle in and hurdle out. They don't even get to talk to the pastor at some of these churches. They don't even get to, to communicate with us. They, they don't build that relationship because the church is so big. That, and I'm not knocking mega churches, but I'm just letting you know, I'm giving you an example of how some feel that they don't get what they need and when they come to this church, they feel the love. And we may not be big in numbers, but apparently we must be big in love. We may not have a lot of people in a packed out church, but there must be love here. And so for us to continue this love, we've got to be of good report. We've got to begin to love and forgive. Oh, we've got to love. We've got to forgive quickly. Listen, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, not even your pastor. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we're all in this together. My question to you today in my closing would be this. What kind of reporter are you? What kind of reporter are you? Do you report good things? Whatever's trust, whatever's noble, whatever's praiseworthy? <laughs> Do you want to be around somebody that's always saying... Oh, Lord, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. I'm going through And it's like you want to shake them and say, have you ever just said that you just love Jesus? Have you ever just said thank you, Jesus? Have you ever thanked God for your family and your, your friends? It's almost like if we're not careful, we'll get in that rut that we'll complain about everything that's around us. But we need to look around of how good God is. You're not six foot under yet. You're not in a nursing home. You're not in a trauma unit. That's enough to think you haven't lost all your limbs. You, you, there's so much for us to be thankful for and what we have today. Listen, all of these powerful qualities are found in Christ. Full surrender to Christ reproduces this uh, these in us every day. Christ-controlled thinking makes us channels of His power. You are an extension of Jesus. I've always said this, and I'll say it again. They may be people that may never step their foot in your church, even if you invite them. They may never walk in this church with you, but they're looking at your life. They're reading your life. They may never open up their Bible, but they're reading you every day and what you say, how you act, and how you conduct yourselves. Because people are watching. And it doesn't mean that they'll ever be connected and it doesn't mean that they'll ever come to know the Lord Jesus. But by you living the life and having the Christ-controlled thinking, they will see something in you and they'll say, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. There is something different. And listen, if they stay around you long enough, 
they're going to shape up and they're going to start going and looking and seeing what you're doing and they're going to want to do the same thing. Because listen, people, the world's tried everything. They've tried everything. There are people that are shooting up. There are people abused with drugs, with alcohol, with so much other stuff because they're trying to escape the reality. And they're trying to escape in their life to try to find some comfort, to find some type of peace. But I'm here to tell you, it only drowns out a day and the next day it doesn't go away. It is still there. If you've done shot it up, snorted it up, drunk it up, then how about give Jesus Christ a try and let Him do what He wants to do in your life. If you've done everything else, then why not give Christ a try? What, what you got to lose? What you got to lose? You have nothing to lose, but you have everything to gain because Jesus is our peace. He's your inner peace and He will sustain you as He is our sustainer and He will take care of you. But you've got to relinquish and say, Lord, take it all. Take it all. Stand with me across the building today. Take it all. To say, Lord, I fully surrender to your Lordship. 